Hey everyone, and welcome to Conviction, where we feel a conviction to discuss questions and topics surrounding church culture, ministry, and just general life as a Jesus follower. Today, we're going to be starting off our conversation with the simple question of what is the purpose of worship? My name's Caleb. My name's Parker. And we're just going to have a little bit of a conversation today. So, what is the purpose of worship? Parker, do you have some thoughts to kick us off? Sure. Um, Going into this, I wrote some stuff down here. Um, I would say I feel like we're beating a little bit of a dead horse here. But to me, there's two main purposes. One is to glorify our God. And the other is to, um, I, I feel like serve the congregation is not, like I, that's the closest way I can think of to say it. I don't know if it's entirely accurate because on one hand, there's like a part of it that it's at least from a worship ministry perspective that you're serving the congregation. But the other part of it is that you're trying to create a space for them to comfortably step into worship and comfortably uh, have time with God and have, and meet with God and stuff like that. Um. I would say uh, that um, it is kind of cool. Worship is one of those things. Uh, one of our one of the other pastors at our church says this pretty often to the um, uh, to the worship team, where he talks about how worship is one of the. It's like really the only thing that we can give God that He hasn't already given us, and it's like one of the few things that we can bless God with that He hasn't given us in the first place. Yeah. And that it's going to be one of the few things that goes on for eternity. Like a- after this whole world is gone and stuff that we- we'll still be worshiping God. Um, so from that perspective, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, do you have any thoughts to kick us off to? Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to the conversation of worship one, I mean, I know a lot of people that would go into saying like, Hey, we worship God and everything that we do and things like that. that. That's cool. That's a true sentiment. That is good. Um, oftentimes it's to avoid, sorry, it is oftentimes to avoid this conversation though, which is that there is something of value in worship through music. Um, and so even for myself, as we're talking through this, that's kind of my primary way of viewing it is like, we're talking about what's the purpose of worship. And for myself, at least throughout this conversation, it'll be, what is the purpose of worship in the form of music and that sort of thing? Yeah. And I think, you know, everything you're saying, I agree with, I think, um, we oftentimes try to remove humanity from the equation when it comes to worship. You know, like I think there's a lot of people that have, different philosophies when it comes to worship songs and music choices and things like that. You know, people will say, you know, Hey, we don't want uh, isocentric, like looking at ourselves type of worship songs. Um, I struggle with that because, you know, if you look in the Psalms, yeah, like thing. you see David and the other authors of the Psalms very oftentimes saying, I, me, the Lord sees me. He leads me. Like that sort of a thing. And so there is something to be said about in worship serving, like you were saying, the congregation, the community, by singing songs that help remind them of the glory of God reflected towards them. It's not to say, hey, we are worshiping ourselves, you know, like if there is a song that was something like, you know, 
God is great, but he loves me so much and I'm so awesome because of him. Look at all the great things I can do because I am awesome and God helped me out some. Like something like that, like that wouldn't be a song, hopefully not. But like those kind of sentiments, I can see how it can go too far, but sometimes we throw in the kind of the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, I feel like the more I've thought about it, the more I've come to feel like that I'm going to say, like, I feel like the more I think about it, the more I feel like worship is more so for us. And I feel the thing is like, I like going into this, I was trying to think of how, and I, and I looked up in the Bible and stuff like how trying to see like, where are the first forms of like worship and people singing were in the Bible? Um, it really isn't that prevalent in the old Testament. Realistically, like it seems like, like, like people, moments of praise it seems like it's very individualistic there's not hardly very much any like groups of israelites coming together and singing songs is not super common it doesn't it didn't look like maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong but you have moments like after um the jews cross the red sea and they shout praises of joy and they sing songs in that but like when we look at what church looks like today, where we regularly come together and we worship and sing songs, that doesn't seem like it's super prevalent until like when the probably maybe the tabernacle was constructed slash temple was constructed. I think maybe you should step in here and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong somewhere. You know, I, I'm not an expert when it comes to the history of worship within like just Judeo Christian practices. Um, and so I think that for most people, the way that worship is handled is that it's one of those things that's assumed throughout the scriptures. Yeah. So it's one of those things that was so prevalent and obviously done that it then was not needing to be addressed in like a heavy handed way. Like, um, this is a super silly example for this, but like you look at things like, you know, you look at something like uh, in the Old Testament, one of the, you know, do not commit adultery. The Bible's not constantly looking and saying, hey guys, actually it's really then just looking and saying this person committed adultery and we all know that was wrong. Like that sort of a thing is like what it's more so going down. And I think in some ways when it comes to worship, there's an assumption of it. You know, like I've looked at Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47 is one of my most like core chunks of scripture within the Bible, um, talking about what the early church initially looked like after Peter's moment of preaching and them coming together and seeing the 3000 saved. And then it says they formed this community and here's what the community looked like. It doesn't say in there that they worshiped. So there could be some people that would look and say, well, it does not say they are worshiping. So is worship through music necessary? And to that, I would say it's assumed. You know, it is assumed that there was an amount of spiritual practice through worship. You know, you look in Jesus, it's a very simple thing where he ends up looking and says, hey, if you do not cry out, the rocks will. Right. Like these sort of statements. And so although it is not prevalent in terms of directive, like in terms of like prose and that sort of a thing, it is prevalent in terms of um, – just spiritual practice, like historically, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, historically it makes it, it just became really apparent to me that it doesn't seem like the act of getting together and singing songs, especially mm -hmm. musically is not really an ordained thing. Mm. 
It's not really like a commanded thing. Like it's commanded that we should glorify God and that we should worship God. And there's lots of moments of, you know, of people glorifying God through song, like the Psalms. Like, like I just looked, I looked up like trying to find references for like moments where worship and like, like I searched a bunch of different things where it was mentioned in like 90% of them was Psalms. Yeah. And like, which makes sense, but like, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. I never really thought, I've never really thought about it, that it was, it's not really an ordained thing. And then I started to question, like, I don't know. It's just like, I think about like, does, why does God need us to worship him? Does he even need us to worship? I don't think he necessarily does, but what about it? Like what about him and his character wants us to? Cause I, like, I do understand that realistically, like that, the purpose of creation is to glorify God and is to lift him up. And that's where that, that verse you were mentioning earlier about the rocks crying out, that's where that comes from. And so I understand that our ultimate somewhat purpose is as a creation as a whole is to glorify God. And doing that through song is one of the ways we, is one of the ways that we do that. Um, uh, but I mean, there's that side and there's also the relational side that he wants to have a relationship with us too. Totally. But yeah, you know, I think when it comes to, to us and all of creation and specifically for us as, you know, God's chosen piece of creation that he made in his image, this like idea of Imago Dei, like that he looked at us and he said, you know, Hey, these, these homo sapiens, these, you know, people, I'm going to have them be in my image, this kind of an ideal, um, gives us a special mandate within all of creation in the aspect that like we now, you know, it's a weird way to word it, but it's a biblical way to word it. Like, you know, we nurture, care for, and rule over the creation that is this universe. You know, we steward it. Yes. Like we have an amount of dominion over it and that sort of a thing. And obviously that can be abused, um, but also that can be, done for God's glory and that sort of a thing. Now with that, when it comes to, does God need our worship? Well, God doesn't need the, 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 there's kind of a dual aspect to it. God does not need our worship to be God. So just because something is not being acknowledged or worship does not mean that it is not of the stature that it is in, but there also is a reality that it's things like, like this is a very silly example. So some people would say, oh, this doesn't even do justice to it. And that's fine. But like, why do we give an award to someone who has won something? You go to the Olympics and somebody goes out there and they win. And they get a gold medal. And you look and you're like, why did they get the gold medal? We want to acknowledge the greatness of accomplishment that has taken place here. Um, what happens after they receive the gold medal? Um, their national anthem plays. And there's this moment of just like, we're acknowledging, look at you, you won, this is great, um, and all of these things. Even, you know, let's say somebody goes, you know, let's say somebody goes and they build they build a house, they build a super amazing home, and they bring their friends and their family over, they bring people from the community over, and they say, come look at this home that we've built together, right? And you walk through it, the weirdest thing in the world would be if no one looked and said, this is so amazing. You did a great job. 
Like what a cool house. Not because the person built it to get the praise, but they did something praiseworthy. So it is right of the people viewing it to kind of give that expression to it, right? And so in the same way, in our relationship to God, he does not need it, but he deserves it. And as an act of submission, honestly, in many ways, it's important that we remember our place. Yeah. Like the act of worship, you know, and even like an act of like gratitude to somebody, you know, you might have it where, um, let's say somebody lends you money. Like again, this kind of a silly example, but let's say somebody lends you $10,000 and you really needed that $10,000 to pay off medical bills and so that you would be able to stay up on rent and things like that. It would be very odd. One, if that person holds it over your head, that would be weird, but it would also be equally weird if you just said, cool, grab it, leave and go. Now, the amazingness of God is, is oftentimes he's okay with that response. He isn't like smite us because oftentimes we do look at God and say, thanks for the check, gotta go, that kind of a thing. But what more so is actually good is looking and saying to people, hey, you know, my, let's say it's a grandparent. Hey, my, my grandma, she's so generous. Can I just tell you, she helped us get out of a really tough time. And like you're helping give praise to them because they did something worthy of that praise and not for them to then be arrogant, but for them to have like kind of the due respect of like, look at the character of this person. And so I think in some ways, what is the purpose of worship? You know, it's to show God the glory he deserves because he's glorified. It's reactive. It's reactive, but it's also expressive to those around us to look and say, why would you sing these songs? Why would you praise this God? Like the idea that churches gather, and actually like this could be a whole other conversation one day of like, what's a good amount of worship? A majority of churches in America for our context gather and they worship for at least... 15 to 25 for some longer minutes on a Sunday morning and somebody looking and saying, man, why do you guys do that? That's, that's weird. Actually, it's kind of an odd expression. Why are you doing it? Hey, well, we believe that God's worthy. Listen to the song, the words in this song. And that person can look and they say, whoa, you really believe that about this God. And it's funny because we do the same thing for people. You know, we do this for people. We end up having it We're having an election cycle right now, and we'll have another presidential cycle at some point within our country, and people do the same thing for people that they want to see elected into offices. They go, and what do they do? They, quote unquote, sing the praises of the person to help people look and say, that person deserves to be in this role. And so that would be, for me, one of the primary things. Like, And there's a whole other aspect, which maybe we could talk about this on the second half of this podcast, is even talking about like stewarding the presence of God, not just in an omnipresent way, but in like a manifest way. But with that, that'd be my thought a little bit more, is thinking, you know, God, we are worshiping you because you deserve it. So we're going to direct that. We're going to submit. We are submitting to you by reminding ourselves that you are greater. You're more glory. You're more glorified than we ever could be. And also, God, my praise is going to help the person next to me see that you are something worth praising, which now makes them have to consider why they may not be. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that um, I have been thinking a lot about how 
I hadn't thought about this in a while, but I, I, I was thinking about the first time I came back to in-person church Yeah, from COVID and uh, doing church on the couch with my family, which was great, but <laughs> I miss that sometimes. But um, no, but there is just something, I don't even know what it is, honestly, just that's so powerful about being together in a room communally as a church, as a congregation worshiping God. I don't know what it is, but there is just something. And like, I feel like there's like, in terms of worship, there's like two different, in my mind, there's two different categories, sort of. There's like personal worship where it's just you and God, and that can happen anywhere. And that can really happen in almost any way. You know, that could be you actually singing songs that could be, you know, brother Lawrence type stuff where you're doing the dishes and you're just worshiping God and doing the best that you can with whatever you're doing. Um, and that just being a part of your every day. And that's a very individualistic type worship. And then there's the communal worship, which is just a different ball game entirely. Totally. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is about that. That's so cool and special. I mean, I think there is something about people coming together that matters and we never really can defeat that reality. Like when people get together, even like this is a very small example, um, but you, me, Matthias getting together and be able to do this podcast. There's something about, Hey, it's not just one person sitting down, hitting record and saying, I'm going to try to talk about something and try to do something, right? It's a group of people coming together to do it. And it adds a bit of excitement. It's like, hey, we are in this. Like there's that instant thing of like, we all have a amount of a buy-in to this thing that we're doing. So I think that when you look at the church and you look at different communities, there's a reality that it's like, God, like we are wanting to see something happen here. And we want to know that we're not alone in what we're pursuing. And almost getting this point, there's a, a pastor named Francis Chan, who I have a lot of respect for him in a lot of different areas within his ministry. But I remember a story he told, and I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast yet, but he has a story he told where he talked about how uh, there was a time of prayer. And if I'm misquoting this at all, I apologize. But there was a time of prayer he was in where basically he was kind of on his knees and he was at the end of himself in a lot of ways. And he was just crying. He's just saying, God... I don't want to do this alone, but if I have to, I will. And there's something about that statement that it's like, as a believer, we have to have a resolve to say, Lord, I'll do this on my own. I'll be okay with this on my own. Why? Because you must be worthy enough that I don't need the other to choose to follow you. But then it's looking and realizing, so God, I have that resolve. Now that resolve compounded with the resolve of many saying the same thing starts to see something really beautiful happen because you're there collectively on the same conviction. It is that God, you are worthy of this. We want to see you do something great. And I'm not going to walk away just because the person next to me may walk away. But when everyone says that, everyone stays and you start to see things happen. You know, even within our communities and churches and, you know, I I got, I got friends within ministry circles who try to, you know, kind of talk where they're like, hey, it's not about numbers. It's not about this, which is totally true. It is true that success uh, as a church, as ministries is not based upon, can you get to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people, that sort of a thing. 
But the moment that we look and we say the names behind those numbers don't matter anymore, like is just us being a little bit, I think, like falsely humble because we're trying to say it doesn't matter how many people I minister to or I pastor and stuff. But it's like, hey, but like there's a reality in all of us that's not bad that a room full of people singing out in unison and praising the Lord is a great thing. You know, we've yeah. we've talked about this within uh within our context of the youth ministry that we're both within like you know, we love True Life and True Life's in a really awesome spot right now of just seeing a smaller kind of core group of students um within which is the whole of our ministry right now, but it's smaller than we were at past seasons things like that. And they are just leaning into their faith in very real and tangible ways, which is awesome. That doesn't mean we need to look now and say, so now we have to always stay this size because this is the sweet spot. Now it's saying, God, grow from this really healthy foundation. And again, because what is greater than 45 some students praising the Lord? 150, 200, 300. I mean, within our region, we have a few thousand students represented. It's like, God, we want to see everyone glorify you and may our worship help inspire those students to show up to a service. And again, like I could get into all this stuff. We should talk youth ministry philosophies at some point. Cause that'd be interesting. But like, man, like somebody should invite their friend to church with them and they stand next to them. And that friend watches their friend, the kid who's been at church and looks and says, I want the passion they have for this God. And it's expressed through that worship. Again, going to back what you said at the start, we're glorifying God, but it's helping serve the greater congregation from the stage leading out, but also from the people in the seats, you know, in the in the altar space, that sort of a thing to those around them. Yeah. How do you think we get from, because there's a difference between worshiping and just singing songs. Totally. How do you think we get like as... Like, I feel like this is can be more prevalent sometimes in youth ministry, especially, um, than in main congregation. And maybe that's not true. I don't know. But like, I feel like youth ministries in general, like you have all like the, you don't, you know, you don't want to look weird singing. You don't want to like look weird stepping out. How do we get from a place of, as congregations, how do we get from places of just singing songs to worshiping God unified as a body with the same heart and mindset. Cause I think I wonder like there's been multiple times in my faith where like I, you know, I show up to church every Sunday and I sing songs every Sunday, but I'm not worshiping totally. And I wonder, I wonder like in terms of thinking as not necessarily that like we're, I mean, you're a pastor, but I'm not a pastor. I'm not a church leader necessarily. But how do we as church bodies start to go more towards that end of that we have the heart and mindset of worship? Totally. I guess maybe we should define what the heart and mindset of worship should be in the first place. Yeah. I don't know. But what do you think? Yeah, you know, I think part of how we get there is we truly care about the presence of God in the midst of the service. Um, you know, that was kind of what I was hinting towards a bit earlier is there's obviously God's omnipresent. You know, we believe that's a, a facet of God. He's always present with people and he's always present within creation. There's no 
place or thing or space that he is not able to see. There is no door that can be shut. He cannot get through that sort of a thing. So he is omnipresent in that way. But then there's also this ideal of his manifest presence, which there might be some people that want to more so debate that. There's a song, um, there's a song that the start of it at one point goes, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come fill this place, fill the atmosphere. And I know some people that take issue with that song. In my in my opinion, it's a really silly, I, I would tell them this, I think it's a really silly argument of having issue with it. Cause what would the issue be? I've never heard that. Would be saying that, personally. it would be saying basically like, well, God's always here, so why are we having to invite him? Why do we got to tell him that he's welcome and that sort of a thing? And I mean, for me, again, I operate on an ethic or like if you were to ask me like, what's my my systematic theology principle is very much so like community and God's relationship towards us and that he will operate within self-imposed on his end guidelines to allow himself to relate with us in a way that is healthy and that sort of thing. It's a very, very like watered down version of it. But with that then... I think there's an importance to having moments that like within worship, we need to be looking and saying, God, like you're welcome here. You're looking out, you're telling the congregation, Hey, we're not, we're not just here singing songs out of ritual and tradition. We are here singing songs that we believe are pleasing to our God, that we believe are pleasing that glorify him, that point to him and that help us to realize what he's doing in and through us that help us to remember. And so, you know, I think that's a part of it is having to say, Hey God, like what, what do you want to see happen? Things like that. You know, for myself as a pastor, um, I very much so want us to get to a spot where all of our worship within a youth service is with that heart and that intention. That is very much so right now, whenever we have a response time, my like conviction is just like, Lord, it can be simple. It can be stripped back. We just want a freedom to worship in this space, you know, and I know that there's times it's probably frustrating when I, you know, look to either you or look to Kennedy, um, who's our, our youth worship pastor. And I'll say things like, Hey, just whatever song. And here's like four or five that I think would be good, but just lead as you see, like in that sort of a thing. But I think that freedom and lack of rigidity does allow there to be space to say, God, we are truly just here to worship. Now, if somebody gets super off base and distracting and all of this stuff, it's like, hey, you're missing the point. But if we're able to look and say, God, we just care about you being present here. We just care about giving you glory. And God, we care about meeting with you today. You know, there's a lot of Sundays and a lot of Wednesdays where it's just going through the motions for a lot of churches, which sometimes like, yes, we don't want to go through the motions, there's for some people a reality that they're on the edge of like their last thread and they're just having to go through the motions to try to make it. So I'm not trying to criticize and there's people that are like, look, dude, I'm just showing up to church and that took everything in me to show up. I might not be lifting my arms and stuff, but at least I'm here and not just at home. Like, yeah, that's totally true. But as a whole, to see that kind of movement take place, I do think it takes a freedom within worship a freedom within your worship leaders, within your team. Um, and also then for your congregation, as they see that modeled, it helps them to step into a freedom. You know, I know pastors, I know pastors who will preach, youth pastors that will preach messages and they're then just like, nobody received anything. And I'm like, dude, you didn't give them anything to receive. You might've given them biblical truth 
but you weren't showing them there was a reason to receive what you were talking about. You weren't helping them to see that you cared about what you were talking about. And in the same way, I think in worship for our leaders, our pastors, for, you know, people who are in the front, things like that, who are helping others to see what it looks like to worship. If you are not demonstrating that there is something worth worshiping that you are seeming to, then why would the person who's there be like, well, I'm, they're not showing me anything I'm supposed to worship. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, do you think fast songs should be at the beginning or at the end? Oh, I mean like, I, only reason I ask. Yeah. It's because I feel like when they're at the beginning and, and I mean, there's a lot of different reasons you'd want to have a more welcoming song at the beginning, but like, it doesn't seem to me that those beginning songs, like let's take, this is living yeah. by Hillsong young and free. I don't know if that song necessarily promotes that, you know, we're trying to meet with the spirit here. Totally. Mentality. Granted, totally. it's a good welcoming song. It's a good, you know, people are still walking in. That's one. I probably would guess that that's probably the strongest argument for me is because usually half the church isn't inside the, yeah. inside the room when you start the set. But like, I feel like those faster songs, they should be put at the end when it's more of a celebratory actual. Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably ends up being the best moment for them is actually when they are at the end because it ends up being we are celebrating what God is doing here and that sort of a thing. I also am somebody that's just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if like the fast songs we have right now actually are super helpful in creating spaces of worship, Um, which is not to insult like groups like Hillsong Young and Free or things like that. Because there's a lot of songs and things they put out that have been really good and they're very beneficial for youth ministries. But I do think, like this is a really silly example, but like there was a movement in like the early 2000s. And again, I did not grow up in youth ministry. So I'm a youth pastor that did not have a youth ministry. Um, My like sophomore year, um, our youth ministry at my church kind of like got um, died out and this sort of thing. There's a whole story there, but, um, basically like didn't really have a youth ministry. And even within that, when we did have one, it was a smaller church, you know, we had, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten kids, that sort of a thing. So we weren't doing like big worship, things like that. But there was a movement for a while where like, you know, worship music had a bit of a rock feel at times some things like that. But the, the words were very, like they were very deep. There was a lot of depth to it and what was being sung and what was being said. Um, and there's a part of me that wants to look and say, Hey, where are the churches, the youth ministries, the groups like that, that maybe could just re up some of that, you know, could re up some of these types of songs or things also like fast songs back in the day were so different. What they were talking about, like, you know, like, I'm trading my sorrows. Like ones like that. When you get to just the amens in the middle of it, you're just like, what's happening? Like 90s shout to the Lord. That was like a jam. I, here's the thing, the church I grew up in, which again, love the church I grew up in, love that, love them a lot. Um, Would not be who I was without it, but like shout to the Lord literally until I graduated high school. It was like, dude, 
like that was like a 90s song. I was like, dude, this is just like a banner of a day. If we're doing shout to the Lord right now, like it was just like, this is sweet. Um, but that was like a bit of a faster song, but again, it just had a different feel to it. And so I think probably there's some more effective fast songs that could come out of the church in the next couple of years that would help us to not feel this need to just be like, Hey, can I swing with it? Can I kind of rock with it type of a thing, but having it where it's like, Hey, like, you know, can we just like be excited about what we're doing? Which is not to, again, to say that like, Hey, a song where it's like, Hey, is this a bit of a vibe for us? That sort of thing. It's not that it's bad. Um, you know, again, our youth ministry does, um, we'll do phenomena. We'll do best. I'll do best friends. I actually like that song. It's kind of an anthem song. Some people would say it's not even a worship song. Um, and to that, I would say that's cool for you, but yeah. Sorry. That was a little bit of a bird walk. It was a question that just no, it's good. in my head. Um, I think when, if a fast song, I'll do a really succinct version actually also. A fast song at the start is functionally good. Yeah. A fast song at the as end. As far as the service goes. If it is done well at the end is much, much better. If I you agree. Can, if you can have a ministry culture of show up and you're in the presence and you are leaning it to many intentional moments. And then at the end, it's saying we are celebrating what God has done. Let's leave excited. That's sweet. Totally. I had a question. I forget what it was. So, I mean, like, while you kind of think of that question, um, one other thought I would kind of throw out there is when it comes to worship, I think there's a lot of times that we end up using worship as such a blanket statement. And this, again, this is leaning into, you know, what is the purpose of worship? I actually also will say this. I think worship at times should make us as humans uncomfortable. How so? What do you mean? So like, I know a lot of people, like there are, and and I'll just, there's men I know predominantly. There's also women, but I know a lot of different men who will like, there's kind of like, I I can't sing. You know, I'm not really a singer. And it's like, hey, that's cool. Straight up. Don't care. You should worship. Yeah. yeah. You know, you yeah. should sing out. Cause guess what? God does not care. Like people will make jokes. I'm tone deaf. Like I can't sing really. I know that sometimes you argue that maybe I could figure it out, but uh, I'm not I going don't believe to. in tone deafness, but if you hear me, I'll pray for your ears to be healed. Cause they might bleed. I have. Yeah, it's true. But uh, no, so there's just times that like, I'll see people where they say like, Hey, like I'm just not a singer. Uh, that's not my thing. Da, 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 da. Oh, I'm not, I'm not emotional. Like I've, I've heard that one before. I'm not emotional. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't express my faith through emotion to God, which is not them. Usually it's not out of criticism to the person who maybe is more expressive, but it's like, so because of that, maybe I don't. And dude, there are so many times that I just want to look and I just want to be like, like lift your arms why? It's an act of surrender. It's not an act of emotion. Right. It is an act of surrender. Put your hands in front of you. It is not because it's the slightly easier shoulder workout. It's because it's receive in this moment a gift from the Lord. Have your arms high. Have your arms low. There's something for it. It's an expression of worship within it. And then also open your mouth yeah. and learn the words to the song. And if you don't know the words... They're on the screen, and guess what? I've had so many times that I have missed saying a song. And you know how many times I've cared? Zero. 
because it's just about, hey, God, I'm just wanting to worship you right now. Yeah. And there's a, there's a reality that also, like, we can't look at worship and say, like, well, I worship, so I don't read my Bible. Like, worship is my form of, like, spiritual practice. Like, I had to check two boxes off on the day. I either read my Bible and prayed or I worshiped and prayed or that sort of a thing. And it's just like there should be an amount of uncomfortability because, again, when you're looking and worshiping something, you are legitimately saying, I am the lesser thing here. And that active submission is so beneficial, especially to start your week or especially in the middle of your week or that sort of a thing. Totally. When you say, when you say pursue, like there should be a certain level of uncomfortability. I entirely get what you're saying in terms of, especially dudes and people who aren't as great of singers, especially, but uh, what about people who are good singers? Like, like, I understand what you're kind of saying in terms of like, you should be willing to push through uncomfortability. Are you saying that we need, we should be pursuing it? Yeah. Why? Because we should never be at a spot where you say, man, look at my faith. It's so easy. I've got this in terms of the in and out week in week out type worship though. Is that necessary? In terms of growing in your faith, I get that and growing your relationship with God. I understand that. But in terms of week in week out, worshiping God, should it be like that? I think so, because I think we've made following God really easy. How so? I mean, like, we're just like, like we, um, this is a whole longer conversation, but like within the church right now, we really just care about justification, which is when you, so when you accept Jesus, um, I, I'm a bad student right now because I'm going to forget one of the stages. But um, when you accept Jesus, so you go and like, let's say you're in an evangelical church and you have said the prayer, you have said, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me my sins. I want to follow you forever. Help lead me and guide me. And I want to follow you. Um, And in that moment, um, you know, all believers believe then that you are filled with the spirit in some form, in some way, you are now walking with Christ empowered by the spirit in some way, in some fashion and that sort of a thing. So in that moment, you are justified. The blood of Jesus has washed over you. You are justified. The next step is sanctification, which is this lifelong, uh, process of growing closer to Jesus, more like Jesus and that sort of a thing. And then we will eventually at one point have a glorification. So you die glorification. I might be missing a step in here and I apologize again, but where you are then like with God, like that is like the final step. You are no longer a human. You have your resurrected self. Um, and again, we could talk about like, you know, you have like you die, you go to heaven, there's a resurrected body at some point, all this. We talked through all that stuff another time. We really care about justification though. We do not always care about sanctification because justification is, well, at least they're covered by the blood. Right. But we don't always look at people and say, did you realize what the blood did if you're not being challenged in your faith to grow more like Jesus? So with that, then I would say for people we should always be feeling a challenge to do more. And oftentimes we don't, we get very comfortable and we end up having moments that we look and we say like, Hey, I'm good. I'm at church on Sundays and Wednesdays. I was at a thing the other week where we were talking about some different aspects of discipleship and things like that within the church. And they were asking, Hey, how many times a week do you think is the ideal number of times that people would be within the church? And I'm opinionated. So I talked. And so I ended up saying, you know, Hey, I think we should shoot for four. 
I mean, we shoot for four times a week that people are having a touch point with their church community. And they were like, kind of like, well, like why? And how would we actually make that work and functional and all that stuff? I think in faith, we have to, at some point, I think we're going to get there. I think it's going to happen where we no longer can ask the question of, is it functional or convenient? It has to just be, does it matter? And is it essential? You know, so like you look at the early church, what's the, what's the answer from scripture on how many times you should get together daily? Actually, well, well, like that's a very like evangelical, um, shoot, why am I forgetting the word? Um, not Catholic. Uh, what's that word? Martin Luther split between Catholic Protestant Protestant. That's yeah. the word. It's a very Protestant type of a mindset. I feel like. Which one? The view of like us not like us just checking in two times a week. Oh, and it yeah. being a very like practical, like, oh, we don't have time for it. And so we're not going to do that. Totally. Kids like, are in sports. I have to make it home for right. dinner. I was tired that night. Um, I had to pick up some, which again, like there's all this different, different stuff with it. But then that's where I think it comes down to like, so if we're, if we're not going to go to that extreme right now, we're not saying, Hey, you have to gather in the church four times a week. Although I will say, Sunday night services, I think should come back. That is my personal conviction and belief at some point. I think that'd be great. Um, meaning a subsequent like secondary service that you'd have it on a Sunday night yeah. for a church to gather together. I think they're good. I don't think we can do everything on Sunday mornings that we necessarily need to do. And that's okay if you disagree with me on that hill, because I might die on it one day. But uh, <laughs> but uh, when it comes to worship, then it's like, okay, if we're not going to go to that extreme of being in church four times a week. I think it is important to look and say, well, what can I do then within my church community? And guess what? We should be saying, how can I worship God more? How can I praise him more? Like, like I've had times where I've looked and I've had to like really like wrestle with like being like, God, I haven't been on my knees in worship in a long time. Like, God, I've not had a moment of worship in a long time where I have felt the need to lay down before you. And again, people might look and they might say, that's weird. Like, that's just trying to force things. It's like, no, like I believe that God deserves greater and greater amounts of submission. And there might be a point and not submission in a way that's dominance driven, but is submission in a way of me looking and saying, God, I have to recognize that without you, I am nothing like God, without you, I am a piece of crud and I'm a terrible person probably. And that's, again, that's me more so just knowing myself. And a lot of people would say that's not how they would view themselves, but like, God, I need you and you have to be present and I have to be less. And so looking at that, I then think within worship, there's People who have looked and said, well, look, I've been in the worship services at least. At least I'm showing up to church. That's great. How long does it at least count? Like, should at least count for a month? Maybe. Two months? Maybe. 20 years? Like, you know, you don't lift your your hands once in worship. I just didn't feel like it today. It doesn't matter how you feel. What does God deserve today? And there might be times, like I've had times in a worship service where I've truly felt the Lord say to me in my spirit and just say like, Caleb, just rest. And I've just, I've just stayed, stood in that moment and I've maybe been lightly singing and I'm not necessarily like pressing in and what a lot of people would say is maybe an emotional expression. But in that moment, it was the Lord saying, this is what I know you need. So just receive. And that was great. But that is not the consistent in constant demonstration we see of what worship most impactfully can be. You know, like our most impactful view of worship is David 
being stripped down in the street, just dancing for the Lord. And it's like, why is he doing it? Because he does not care to be honored and respected as a king. He cares to be known as someone who wanted to worship God because God brought them a victory. And like, you know, again, that's where for me, like, I think one of the biggest aspects of worship in our daily lives is talking about what God has done and things like that. So if we want to go down that rabbit hole one day of like, what are other expressions of worship? I think it's sharing our story is one of the main ones. You know, like I, I work construction um, as a second job and do stuff with my hands. And yeah, I want to do a good job to glorify the Lord where somebody looks and says, wow, there are Christians on the job. Like they're doing a good job, that sort of a thing. Um, but I don't view it as me putting this two by four up is equivalent to me on my knees before the Lord saying, God, like here is everything. Yeah. No, I think like that is just like, that it makes me think of the brother Lawrence type thing, which if you don't know, brother Lawrence was, I believe I assume a monk. Yes. Yeah. A monk that wrote a book called, Oh shoot. I forget what it's called. Uh, A practice practice of the presence. Is that what it's called? It's one of them. I have it actually somewhere in here, but I won't rustle through my books to find it. Anyway, but he was a monk in a monastery that basically every monk had a specific duty to do a job that they did every day to keep the monastery up and running. And his job was washing the dishes. And he basically, he learned to glorify God in doing that and have that heart mindset. And what that make me think, what that makes me think of though, is that it's like, I know like it's obviously not going to be equivalent to being on your knees, but it is a welcoming or a attempt to welcome the spirit into every part of your life at the same time. Totally. Yeah. I think, uh, one, one quick thing. Go ahead. One aspect of that though, that was so important is he so intentionally did it. Yeah. And I think that, and again, I don't, I don't say this as a critique because some, somebody listening might be like, Hey, like I do my job every day and I always say I'm doing it for the glory of the Lord. And Hey, if you have that intentionality behind it, that is awesome. There are a lot of people that I think say that statement. I think it is fair to say, do not do it with an intentionality in every moment. They do it almost as like, honestly, as a cop out at times of like, I'm glorifying God in this work. Dude, like, like brother Lawrence, like what a freaking awesome guy who looks and says, I am the Lord of the pots and pans. (laughs) He's like, my ministry is to glorify God and to be close to him in his presence. And God, I have domain over these pots and pans and I will rule them to cleanliness for your glory. And like, it's just one of those things where you look and you're like, that dude had a ferocity behind it in the midst of also being a man who said like, God, I'm going to vow to worship you in this monastery, right? For my entire life. Going back to the, um, I don't even know what you call it, but the, um, the, I guess the heart behind worshiping. I feel like there's different, it's difficult because I feel like worship is so individualistic in terms of like week in, week out, what it looks like for a person. Kind of what you were saying in terms of like some weeks you feel like you need to be on your knees and some weeks you feel God just say, just rest now. Totally. There are different moments like that. Like there's times where I feel like, you know, where I feel like I need to kneel and it is a moment of the closest phrase that I can think of is like, I'm swearing fealty Hmm. to God. And like, I take a knee and I kneel down. There's that pose. And then there's also pose of, I guess, more traditional kneeling, which is on both your knees and 
not prostrating yourself, but like uh, laying down. Yeah. Or just, uh, that's a very humble pose, I guess. There is something to about like physical actions you can take that can help lead your heart. We can, that's a, that's another thing that we could talk about at some point, but I feel like that I think one thing for me that I think about is that I have to realize that worship doesn't necessarily have to be, and maybe you disagree and disagree with this, but I feel like worship doesn't necessarily have to be a super emotional thing every single Mm -hmm. time. That being said, I think it does need to be a really intentional thing. Like it shouldn't like, it's kind of goes back to like you talk about like summer camps and coming off camp highs and stuff like that. And people kind of make fun of that and stuff like that. And it, we talk about how it's like, it's important that we need to realize that like we, I forget what I was going to say, going like worshiping God through the ins and outs of like, you may not be in an ideal situation an ideal camp that's been super fun. That's been a really good time. And that you have these emotions or maybe you don't have those emotional moments at a camp. And it's like, um, I feel like it's important to realize that it is really individualistic in terms of what worship could be like for you each Sunday. I feel super scatterbrained right now. So no, no, that's a good statement. I mean, like there is definitely an individual nature to it. There's ways that people are going to relate with things. There's ways that people are going to demonstrate themselves. Like, you know, there are those people who will be taking a big step and you end up looking and you're just like, man, like, look at that person. Like they are, they're here. That's a big deal. Like, Hey, look at that person. They, in that one song, they raised one hand for 10 seconds. That is a big, big deal. Um, and in the same way, you might have somebody where you're just like, Hey, why I saw you were in the back this week and you just, you look a little bit, a little bit off, you know, do you want to talk? How are you doing? And like, it even can be a gauge of helping somebody to be like, Hey, like, where are you at? Where's faith at? How are you walking? Um, but also looking and just saying like, Hey, what's this process look like? I mean, dude, yeah. With, when it comes to emotional, so this is what I would say. Um, and I had this thought earlier and I'm glad it came back around for this is, when it comes to worship, I do not think we should desire for it to be emotional. Yeah. I think we should desire for it to be experiential. So what what I mean within that is the time of worship should always be an experience. It should always be something of value. That's what I would view an experience as. An experience is something of value that is adding to yourself and you are helping add to. And like emotion is something that we feel and we could have emotions be drawn out of us and things like that. Emotion is not inherently bad, but when you leave something having felt emotion, it doesn't mean there's change that's taken place. When you've had an experience, it's something that you look and you say, I remember that time. Right. And so that's even my thing at times. Like I look at, you know, true life for our youth ministry right now, the, the summer camp high. Um, one of my goals is to kill that as an expression because I want us to be a ministry. Here's actually my ultimate goal in some ways. I want us to be a ministry where we go off to summer camp and we come back and people say, I like it better here. The sun's cool. The lake's great. I love being together in our community for five days. 
these services are the place I want to be though. Not because I want us to be like the biggest and the best and things like that, but I want it to be an intentional experience that every single week they say, I get this here and I don't have to go to a camp to get that. But that's what's going to allow them to have it where it's like, hey, you grew there. That's awesome. Keep growing here. That kind of a thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. How would we, I feel like we've kind of rabbit trailed a lot here, but I feel like how, how would we sum up going back to the initial question of what should worship look like? What is the purpose of worship? How would we sum that up? It seems like we probably had the first thing in terms of what it should look like. We have the, in terms of stages, we have it first, we need to welcome God and we need to invite him mm-hmm. and intentionally be seeking meeting with him to start off. And then I don't know what would, what would the next part be? Yeah. You know, I would say, you know, what, what should it look like? Yeah. It should look like an invitation of the spirit to be with us. It should with, look yeah. like, it should look like a time of glory being given it should be a time of remembrance for ourselves. It should be a time of also people to see there's something worth glorifying and that sort of a thing. You know, so I think that brings us all the way back around what is the purpose of worship? The purpose of worship, yes, is to glorify God. That is very much so true because he is worthy of that praise. He, he deserves that. So we need to then give him what he is due and that sort of a thing. But in that, the worship, that time we're talking about within a service, so not doctrinally what does worship mean, but what does that worship time and that service mean? It also serves the purpose of serving your community and those who are joining your community to be reminded of who they are praising and worshiping and to see there's someone worth praising and worshiping. Because as a church, if we are not and I don't say inspiring to say, hey, we want to be like a big concert someone goes to and says that was really cool. But if we are not showing there was a conviction and a passion behind what we were doing, then it's probably a bit hollow. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's a pretty, maybe that's a pretty good landing spot for us today. Yeah. We're wanting to give so. glory to God. We want to serve the people around us. Maybe that's just going to become our mantra every week. What's the question? Well, God and us. <laughs> yeah. No, but... uh with that being said, you guys, we appreciate you jumping on here. We appreciate you guys checking out this conversation. Uh, the purpose of worship. It's something we want to talk about. Uh, we're glad we got to have this conversation. Maybe you have some questions, some ideas. You guys can DM us on Instagram. You guys could let us know maybe some questions you have about it. Maybe we could do a follow-up episode. And also, if you're listening to this on iTunes, make sure to leave a rating and review. If you're listening on Spotify, hey, share the episode with a friend that maybe would enjoy it. And uh, yeah, we're going to be back next week. We love and appreciate you guys. Thanks for checking out the conversation. We have a conviction to have them, so we're going to keep talking about things. Season your. See you guys next week. See ya.